2: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Jacob Albrocht, Tommy Castor. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH.
0: All right, welcome back in, everybody. Sports Daily, Jacob Albrock, Tommy Castor here on KFH. We appreciate you tuning in to the program here today. Uh, we are tracking down Dan Israel for our weekly visit. Executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network. Chad will let us know when we get that on board. Uh, we are giving away things today. We'll have more on that. We do have Dan Israel now. Here's the open. We'll talk some Chiefs.
2: Caught! Touchdown! Kansas City Chiefs Kingdom we have you covered joining Sports Daily Live executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network Dan Israel
0: all right and here is Dan Israel for another visit the Chiefs get a win in a big time road environment Uh, they get back to one and one the two guys that return Chris Jones Travis Kelsey both look great uh, the schedule softens here, although that's a dangerous thing to think about in the NFL, Dan. Uh, it might have been a little, I don't know if ugly is the right word, but certainly wasn't pretty, but it's a win on the road against that team, and you got to feel pretty good about it.
1: No question. That first half was ugly. I think even Coach Reed would say that wasn't the prettiest thing he's ever coached. But I did think in the late in the game, you started to kind of see the, the, the championship Chiefs emerge. They looked a little more like themselves. They looked a little more... Uh, complimentary and they just seem to be gelling better you know I mean when it that first half was, was I mean really the last the first six quarters of the season just were uncharacteristic I think for the Chiefs offense I think the star of the day though is the defense man I mean, no question that they they look like a top 10 defense right now
3: I think that's a really good point and you know talking about the way that the, you know the defense has played through the first two weeks of the season we talked about it a week ago even without Chris Jones some of the other guys George Karloftis, Mike Dana Trent McDuffie, others uh, that really played great Leo Chanel has had a great start to his season and then you add back in Chris Jones on uh, Sunday against Jacksonville and he was all over the place and you know I think one thing that was really Uh, important with him dan and i'd love to get your take on this is that even plays that chris jones wouldn't show up on the stat line for he was impacting the play and other guys were getting stats because of just his presence
1: on the field and that's kind of what he brings exactly right I, i thought george karloftis was much better with chris jones there you know so i think it was pretty impressive uh uh outing for jones i thought he played Good football, surprisingly good football. I asked Coach Reed after the game. He wasn't surprised, but I was surprised that he was as ready to play football as he is. I, I realize he's an eight-year vet. He doesn't need the kind of uh, game reps that you, you normally get at the beginning of the season. However, it's still tough. I mean, there's a mental aspect of playing the game and just kind of getting your feet back under you that I expected him to have some. I didn't see any of that. And I also thought he did a real nice job of just – taking care of business, you know, he had a sack, and rather than showboat around for five seconds, he just ran off the field. And I thought that was good. That's what I think not only fans want to see, but I think that's what the players inside the locker room need to see. You know, there's guys he met this week that he's never played with before. And so you can't really be a leader until people know you. And so I think this was a kind of a, a good outing for Chris's rehabilitation if, if that was indeed needed.
0: Dan, when we look back at that one, what what do you think we'll think about that win in I don't know late November? It feels like it could be significant. I think Jacksonville's going to be in the mix for that, you know, top seed mostly just because of the division that they play in. That's a tie breaking win potentially. Like it felt ugly, it felt whatever, but it could be a pretty meaningful and impactful win down the road.
1: You know, this is exactly why there are no moral victories. There are no, you know, bad wins in the National Football League because losing and winning matters. And ultimately, when it comes down to December, these things do tend to come back and haunt you or or benefit you. And I agree. You know, I think the the Jacksonville Jaguars quite possibly could be atop the AFC. Doug Peterson's got them in tremendous shape. Now, Trevor Lawrence may not have had his best day against us yesterday, but that doesn't mean they're not going to be in the thick of it for sure. And, and so I think anytime you can get a, a chip in your pocket, you know, to kind of protect you late in the season, it's got value. And so that win could potentially be huge. It could be hope field advantage, it, any number of things, right? And so, uh, yeah, I, I never discount, especially a win in your division, then in your conference, and then win overall. And this was a conference win for the Chiefs. So
3: offensively, Dan, uh, the second half of the game against the Lions, and then the vast majority of the first half against the Jaguars, the Chiefs didn't get into the end zone. It was almost a full game between both of those second half uh, in week one and first half in week two, where the Chiefs really had a hard time offensively getting into the end zone. Uh, Like you mentioned at the very top, it really looked like in the second half, things started to loosen up offensively against the Jaguars, but. The word that you used was complimentary, and I noticed, especially in the first half against the Jags, just I don't know if it was a reluctance uh, to run the football or really what that looked like, but we really didn't see the running game come into play at all until the second half against the Jags. What do you attribute that to?
1: Well, you know, I I think the Chiefs by design are a pass to run the football game. Uh, You know, it's not a run the football to pass kind of offense. They've always been that under Andy Reid, and I think they'll continue to be that. And I think they got frustrated with the passing game not working as well as they wanted it to, and they just kept trying to hit it and kept trying to hit it. The, the problem with these negative plays is when it, 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 negative play is always bad, but there are times when a negative play can absolutely just disrupt you. Uh, if, if you take a negative in the first down, you've got some ground to cover. If you take it in the second or the third you're in a hole. You you can't get out. And so it dictates a lot of times what you're going to do. I, I was a little surprised that they didn't run more on first down, but I think what they what was happening to them is they were getting in this hole, and then they felt like they couldn't run it out, even though they tried a couple of times. But I, I, I think you finally saw when Nick Chubb – Nick Chubb. <laughs> I've got Chubb on my brain after last night's game. When you saw uh, Isaiah Pacheco finally start getting those high knees going – they realized, you know what, this kid can this kid can get us uh, five six yards and can possibly break it. Let's let's see what's there. You know, take what a team will give you. And I think as soon as they settled into that and stopped trying to fo- stop trying to force things, things got a lot smoother. And then as soon as the running game kind of came alive, now you're forcing the defense to be more legit, right? So I, I think it just. It, it, it is. It's just a matter of not gelling. They they were trying to accomplish something and they couldn't get it done. I thought Mahomes did better in the second half at it, it, going through his progressions. Uh, the negative plays, though, the, the penalties, the turnovers, those were just complete disruptors. And frankly, with the stats that existed from Sunday, the Chiefs should not have won that football game. It's a very. It's a rarity when you have someone turn them when you're minus two and take over. You don't win that's just statistically an anomaly so chiefs very fortunate to get out of there in that they didn't start playing well till the second half
0: dan israel joining us executive producer of the chiefs radio network i think there's this narrative starting to form for some people that and i've heard this a couple of times the next 5 opponents for the chiefs have a combined one win okay well i i, I feel like that i'll give you that chicago should be comfortable but man, the other teams are the Jets, the Vikings, and the Broncos twice. Yeah. I don't think this is as soft a schedule as people are trying to make it out to seem you know seem to be the Vikings probably need to be two and0 right now and the Broncos are real close to being two and0 the Jets don't have their quarterback that's fine but this this isn't as soft as it's being laid out there.
1: no, and I think you know if you had told me that and we were in week 10 that would mean something. But in week two right. of the season or week three of the season, it, it doesn't hold the value. I do think the Jets will be a, uh, a less strong opponent without Aaron Rodgers. I don't think anybody on the planet would question that. But the Vikings certainly are capable of winning. And, you know, I don't think that's going to be an, any, a, an easy game by any stretch of the imagination. I do think, though, one of the things that showed in Jacksonville and, frankly, was responsible for holding that powerful Jacksonville offense – was the Chiefs' defense. If they can continue to play like this, then I don't care who it is. They, the opponent doesn't scare me as much. If we've got a top-10 defense and they can hold opponents to, you know, 14 points, 17 points, we should win the majority of those games regardless of who we're playing.
3: Dan, the elephant in the room on uh, Sunday: the penalties on Jawan Taylor, and that was a, a huge storyline in game. Uh, actually, even leading up to the game, but then in game, and then post game, uh, and then you know there was obviously that stretch of plays where Andy Reid pulled him, had the conversation with him. He ultimately came back in, but it was a rough game for Jawan Taylor coming back to Jacksonville uh, after being with the Jaguars for a number of years. Any takeaways on on how that all played out, and kind of what? how he'll be able to prepare moving forward and what that'll look
1: like? You know, Tommy, I, I thought it was interesting. I, I kind of soft-tossed the coach after the game in my interview with him. I said, you know, it was hot out there. You had to pull Jawan Taylor out. He, he just flat-out <laughs> said it wasn't the heat. He said he was just overwhelmed with the whole – he just needed to settle down for a couple plays, and then he went back out there, and it was good. He also said something I thought was was kind of uh, surprising in that he believes Jawan doesn't have to – to kind of cheat that foot back he can he can stay up in there he's quick enough he said he's quick enough to get that first step he doesn't have to play like that so I don't want him to play like that and so I think once that sinks into John Taylor you're going to have a better right tackle out there definitely had a bad game though I mean you know there's just a couple of times and again the the timeliness of those penalties sometimes are brutal when they started those two false starts again it was like, oh boy, here we go again. And I know Joe, Joe Tooney was one of those, and that's unusual; that's uncharacteristic for Tooney. But still, you know, you, you just can't when you've had a penalty, you need to be hyper focused on that next play because now you've got the hole to dig out. You don't want to dig it deeper.
0: Well, God, he, I hope he can, you know, be effective without that backstep for what they're paying him. They, I mean, they got to have him be, they got to have him be good. Let's talk about the receivers a little bit, Dan. Um, you know, a nice bounce back, I thought. Sky Moore had some a couple of really nice routes and, and looked confident. Kadarius Toney, that was probably exactly what he needed to get back confident, which is the run after the catch stuff, and they put him in a good position. But, you know, it's not where it needs to be. After two weeks, are, are we comfortable that this group will get where it needs to be? Um, is there going to be enough there, or will we see sort of a, a bit of a struggle from that group the rest of the way?
1: Well, I'd I'd love to give you uh, a cheerleading uh, answer to that and say, look, everything's going to be fine. I I do think it's going to be fine. I do think they're going to struggle. I I think that not having Travis Kelsey at 100% was still evident. And for whatever reason, we just can't get one of those guys to really elevate even to a, a, a true number two position. To me, there's no reason MBS should not be at a number two receiver in that he could be a number one receiver on most teams. But with this team, it is a spread-the-ball-around kind of offense. You're never going to get the numbers that you probably would get if you were on a team where you were the primary target every time, like a Travis Kelsey. But somebody has got to to be that guy that we can count on and or all those somebodies. And I think right now, you, you did take a step forward with Kadarius Toney, although he, Coach said he had in, a, in his post-game press conference had a foot injury. So – you know, is that going to be a Sammy Watkins kind of deal? I hope not. I really think Tony's got talent, and we've, he's shown flashes of that talent. But we need these guys to be able to depend on him. I think from a quarterback standpoint, Mahomes needs somebody besides Kelsey that he can depend on, that he knows he can find and it will protect the football. And, and I don't think anybody's really showing those, those signs yet. Uh, I wish they were. I hope game three is better. But there's a lot to do. There's a lot to do yet on the on the receiver end of it.
3: Well, following up on that a little bit, Dan, you know, I know that this is something that we maybe expected to an extent, but there were 11 different receivers that were targeted by Patrick Mahomes on Sunday. Uh, 12, I guess, if you count Donovan Smith, which, you know, I, I think you probably can't. <laughs> right. uh, but re- regardless, 11 different receivers targeted uh, in that game against Jacksonville. Is that a matter of Patrick Mahomes trying to figure out who the go-to guys are going to be? Or is this something that we're going to see more of as the season goes on, where they're just going to spread the ball around all over the place?
1: Well, I do believe it's part of the design. So I, I, I would say an honest answer to that would be, I think it's a little of both, but, uh, I, I do think that's part of the design and that's why it, it's not important. I guess that one guy rise to the top and be accountable if all of them do. And, and if Sky Moore continues to progress, if Kadarius, Tony can settle down into what he could be and MBS could rise to what he really should be. Then I think this all works and the, and the, and the, and the, uh, design to spread the ball around is very effective. You don't know who to defend, right? So that makes it very tough. If, if Patrick Mahomes is the only one on the field who knows where the ball is going, that's a lot harder to defend than than it. You know, if you know it's going to Travis Kelsey. But I just don't feel like the the I just don't feel like the the room, the receivers' room, is together on the same page. You know, you had a there were a couple of moments. So I think Justin Watson ran into another player who was crossing, another Chief who was crossing. You know, it just seemed like they, they didn't quite have their their sea legs under them yet. And so I really want to see how this develops. I do think it's part of the design, but I honestly, I think it was part of Mahomes trying to say, look, somebody be that guy.
0: A couple more for you here, Dan. One, on that, from what you're seeing or, you know, hearing from the coaches behind the scenes, are, are teams defending Mahomes differently now than we've seen the last couple of years where – you know, he sort of adjusted to that, and then last year won the MVP. Our defense is doing something deliberate here that you can see that is, you know, is also. It seems to me like he's he's throwing quicker and not going as much through progressions as he used to, and I wonder if that's a product of the way he's being defended.
1: I think it's more a product of of uh, just uh, trying to take what they give you. You know, a lot of teams tend to show man-to-man, especially down on the line, and then they'll shift at the last minute and become zone, if not off the line, the entire defense. And I think they're trying to fool Mahomes that way. But honestly, he's pretty savvy now, and he's seen an awful lot of games. And I always think this was, you know, I never thought Tom Brady was the greatest of all time in his first 10 years. I thought he was a guy in a good system. He was an accurate guy. He took care of the football. But post his second decade of football, It's hard hard to say, isn't it? Uh, Tom Brady became a smart quarterback. He had seen it all, and then he started surgically taking teams apart. And I think that's where he kind of showed the Tom Brady that we know today. It wasn't in the front part of his career. Well, Mahomes is reaching that as well. He's getting to a point where he's recognizing all of these defenses. I think teams are trying to mix it up. I think teams are trying to take advantage of the two new guys. Uh, on the edge, which is always the case, you know that's uh, the edge is always the most vulnerable part. That's why we value tackles so highly. And I think in this case, they they were picking on, on a little bit on uh, on John Taylor uh, last week. Hutchins, I, I mean, man, the Lions just their defensive line was was really a, attack and aggressive oriented, and and so I felt like Mahomes didn't have a lot of time last week. This week. I felt like he had more time than he was using. And I'm not sure what the the reasons were for that. Maybe he read the defense and then they shifted or maybe they just, the play that's called as a step and throw. I mean, we saw Trevor Lawrence do that all day and he does it quite effectively. So I think some, some of it's just to vary the timing and some of it's probably just what Mahomes pre-snap read was, but uh, you know, I don't really see a systemic, like I don't see teams coming in every week. It's been two weeks, right? But I don't see anybody doing the same thing saying, Hey, look, this team was really effective against Patrick Mahomes. Let's do that.
0: One more for you, Dan, here is we continue to just dissect everything chief. So we haven't even talked about the Patrick Mahomes contract, which is, you know, uh obviously good news for the for the franchise and Mahomes and all that. But I do want to ask a question about the Bears, because Bears haven't looked good. Justin Fields hasn't looked good, but man, Justin Fields can run. And at some point, they're going to just, I think, like let him run wild, which has been a thing that's, you know, troubled the Chiefs defense and others. What do you expect to see a lot of fields running around? And, you know, are the Chiefs ready for that sort of wrinkle from Chicago this weekend?
1: You know, I think they'll be ready. I I always think I don't want to say that's a mistake. But you see – because you see it an awful lot. Certainly Josh Allen runs – you know, there's probably been no more recent example than to look at at guys like, uh, you know, RG3 and and the Ravens quarterback, Lamar Lamar Jackson. But even if you watch the Ravens play the last couple of weeks, he's not running as much as he used to. And, And he was never a strong passer. He has an arm, but he's never been a tremendously accurate passer And so I think they've realized we can't survive on a rushing quarterback. And I think that, you know, we don't want to do that. I don't think other teams really truly want to do that. But out of desperation, I think it's likely it will happen. So, you know, should the Chiefs be ready for it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Will they? I think so. And, you know, how much they do it, I think it's just going to depend on what the game is like, what the game situations are. But I'll tell you what, our defense is so fast – I would expect – they're fast and physical, which is – last year I thought they were fast. This year I think they've added physicality to that. And if they continue to be that kind of defense, I don't think it's going to matter. They'll convert a third – the Bears will convert a third down with, with his – with Field's legs at some point. But I, I don't think he's going to make a, a game-changing kind of uh, – uh, You know, it's not going to give them the leverage that, that possibly it would have given years ago either last year or even the year before
0: certainly and and there's probably a pretty high likelihood they can turn him over too all right dan it's a late afternoon kick three twenty five you'll hear it over on k n s s you guys have anything special coming up on the broadcast this week
1: not yet but we're uh, i'm i'm trying to get a special guest if we can get him on there he's a gregarious guy uh he is a former head coach for the bears. And he is a guy that does not hold back on his opinions. If things come together, I'm hoping we get Mike Dick on here, that which would be really. Oh, funny. that'll be yeah. awesome. Yeah, he was that'll a close be awesome. Many Dawsons and and you know just whatever comes out of his mouth, it doesn't matter what he's saying, it's how he's saying it. I I love that part of it. So I hope it comes together. I don't know if the schedules are going to work, but we're trying.
0: All right, Dan Israel, will look forward to that. And anything else that you and Mitch and the gang will have on the call on Sunday against the Bears. Uh, We'll talk again next week. Again, Dan Israel, executive producer, Chiefs Radio Network. We appreciate it. Thanks for joining us on Sports Daily. Thanks,
1: guys. Go Chiefs.
0: There goes Dan Israel. We'll come back. We can digest a little bit of that uh, as we make our way, and we'll obviously continue to preview that game throughout the week here. Um, More Sports Daily. Albrock Caster coming right back. back everybody sports daily here on kfh glad to be with you jacob albrock tommy castor uh, making our way through let's do another giveaway here off the top of this segment tickets to opening night of the animated feature paw patrol the mighty movie friday september 29th seven o'clock at the boulevard theater in town west we'll give away a pair of tickets right now let's do our third caller as we make our way into this segment Take the kids. That's next Friday, 7 o'clock Boulevard Theater, Town West, our final giveaway of the day here on Sports Daily. Jad will get us a winner to that IHOP hotline, which is brought to you by IHOP, where guests can enjoy four new sweet and savory biscuit options. Our appreciation to Dan Israel there, executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network. Always good info from Dan. You can go back and listen for free on the Odyssey app, kfhradio.com. After we get done with the show, Dan, uh, Jad will put that up there for us. Tommy, just looking around, you know, headlines for the day, and it is shocking, even though we should be used to it, how many of them involve serious injuries in the NFL. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick had to go to the hospital. The Lions, Gardner Johnson, the, you know, defensive back they got from the Eagles, he may be out for the season. Saquon Barkley's going to be out for a while. Nick Chubb, obviously, last night. Uh, it, it is. Well, it is tough, man, and it is such a battle of attrition, and it makes me sit here. So we follow the Chiefs closely, obviously. I'm a Cowboys fan, and if you make it through two weeks, you go into week three and you haven't suffered a serious injury, you almost have to feel lucky in the NFL at this point.
3: Yeah, you know, I know with the Chiefs, they've had a couple of guys banged up. I and mean, we know about Travis Kelsey's injury before the season started. Nick Bolton uh, was banged up in the game against Jacksonville. But really, you feel pretty fortunate
0: yeah. about
3: the way that, you know, the Chiefs have been able to survive. Um, Willie Gay was banged up during the game uh, on Sunday. I didn't know until... Dan Israel mentioned it in the last segment that Kadarius Tony has a foot injury. I mean, I feel like he always has some kind of injury, but that—that's news to me. I didn't know about that. Um, I don't know if it's something that is lingering, if it's the same injury from before that he reaggravated, or something new. Uh, I almost feel like you got to like coat that guy in in Teflon or something just because of just how frequently he's getting injured and and I know Dan mentioned the word Sammy Watkins which I never like hearing those words because of how often Sammy Watkins was injured as a Chiefs wide receiver but we could be dealing with something like that
0: yeah look I I I, they have had injuries so as every team but they've been fortunate right yeah I mean you look at a team like the Packers who you feel good about? They, they, you know, they were right there. They lost that game, man. They didn't have their two best offensive players yesterday. Like that, it, every team's got to deal with this. It's almost like you can't use it as an excuse. I, I think the 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 Jets have an obvious excuse, right? Like going from Aaron Rodgers to Zach Wilson will derail their season. But like the Browns, Nick Chubb's one of the best players in this league, but you almost have to just. Be ready to deal with it, and Jerome Ford is not Nick Chubb. He had that one nice run last night, but he's not Nick Chubb. Nobody is. Nick Chubb is as good a runner as we've had in the league in a long, long time. And but you got to adjust to it, and like you can't all of a sudden, as the Browns or a Browns fan say, "Oh, well, that's it. There goes the season." I mean, maybe you can as a fantasy football player. Maybe you can't as a fantasy football player. By the way, uh, that's that's sort of another topic. Like if you play fantasy football. You better be just ready to hit the waiver wire hard. I mean, if you did, and you've got Puka Nakua and Kyron Williams <laughs> and all these guys, like Nico Collins, like it's it's yeah. a, it's a strange, odd year. And I, you know, it, it's it's this, le- and it's the biggest to me. It's the biggest challenge and the biggest problem for the NFL that's probably unavoidable. Outside of limiting head injuries, you got to continue to do that, but it's just the nature of things. And I don't know. I would love somebody to do a study. And you could, I, I don't even, I don't think it's necessarily possible. I'd love to see just like the history of injury reports. Like are more guys hurt now than used to be it? Cause it feels that way, but I don't know that that's true. Maybe guys played through more back in the day, but it's just tough. It sucks. It's the worst part of football for sure. It, it is.
3: And you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, I have Nico Collins. You mentioned him. I've got him on a couple of my fantasy teams and, uh, I was really happy to draft him in both of those leagues. In both of those leagues, I also had him on the bench. And did not start him, and I think he went off for like thirty some points, uh, and I lost both of those matchups. So you've always got those guys that are you know kind of under the radar. They're coming in, uh, they they end up you know kind of exploding on the scene. In the case of the guys from the Rams that you mentioned, like that's been necessity. I mean, with Cooper Cup's injury and Puka Nakua kind of stepping up in that regard, and then with Kyron Williams, I don't know if have you been following the Cam Akers drama? And it looks like the Rams are planning on trading him. He was a healthy scratch. on Sunday, Sean McVay
0: drama for his entire career. It's basically
3: been the way that it's been. It looks like, you know, they they are shopping him around to other teams and, you know, not really wanting him to be a part of the Rams
0: moving forward. He's not going to have much value. Uh, I, I, uh, the Rams are a really cool story this year. I love seeing this for Matt Stafford. Don't know what's going to happen with Cooper Cup, but just to be respectable, just to see Stafford back in there healthy. I, I, I've i always loved Matt Stafford's game. He's he's a fun player to watch, so I'm glad to see him still have a little gas in the tank. Yeah, I, I don't know. The, the fantasy football part of it is tough because I, I don't think I've ever had Nick Chubb, not for any other reason, because I love Nick Chubb as a player, and I have him like on three teams this year, and I'm like, okay. All right. Well, what are we gonna do here? Well, you know, you got to yeah. kind of adjust. There's no, you know, no rest for the weary when you're playing fantasy football, and you know, most of the time, the same people do well because they're the ones that are the most locked into the waiver wire and all that kind of stuff. So it, it's a it's a fool's errand to try and navigate the NFL and its injury landscape. But it does make you feel good if you're a Chiefs fan. Yeah, they've had nicks and bruises and they've been this way for a few years, Tommy, really. Like if we're being honest about it, like they've had guys with nagging injuries and that kind of thing, but the chiefs have been fairly injury fortunate, you know, if nothing else, but to like keep Mahomes and Kelsey together and on the field and, and those kinds of things. And, you know, that, that's a, that's a wild thing to think about, but it happens to every team. And we sit here in week three and it's happened across the league and, It changed. That's why it's hard to power rank too, to me in the NFL. Like, we want to do these power rankings, but everybody's an injury or two away. I'm looking at CBS Sports's power rankings right now. Um, You've got the Niners, one, Cowboys, two, Eagles, three, Chiefs, four, Ravens, five, Dolphins, six, Bills, seven. Uh, They've got the Jags too low, in my opinion, down at 10. Uh, You know, they got the Falcons way too high at 12, but. They've got the Bengals at 21 and the Chargers at 22. There isn't anybody on the planet that think the Bengals and the Chargers are the 21st and 22nd best teams in the NFL. I mean, come on. Like, that's that's the part of it. Like, records, I don't even care what records are right now, to be quite honest with you. It's like, how is a team looked? And I, I heard something yesterday on the Chargers. I, I don't, it's something like this, and don't quote me directly, and I don't remember where I heard it, but something Close to this. They've scored 58 points through two games with no turnovers. No team's ever done that and not had a win. 58 points scored with no turnovers. I mean, it is remarkable. So I look at these power rankings. They're 0-2. It's like what when we talked about the Chiefs' upcoming schedule. Yeah, the next five opponents do have one win combined. The only bad team out of those next five is the Bears, who they play this week. The Jets, the Vikings, and the Broncos are all dangerous. Still, those are all dangerous teams. The Jets, less so, I think. But are you really going to overlook the Vikings? No, right you're now? not going to
3: over. You're not going to overlook any of them. But there is an argument to be made. You are what your record says you are, I, and I think that that, that I, I don't think agree gets, with that in
0: the NFL on I a week to week basis. On a week to week basis, no,
3: right. I, everybody is dangerous enough to beat anybody at any given time. We see that time in and time out across the NFL. I mean, how many different times have we seen a team that is dominant and playoff bound or whatever play down to their competition and then end up almost getting beat or getting beat by a team that is clearly less superior than than them. It happens all the time in the NFL. That being said though, if you're trying to power rank teams, you are what your record says you are. The Bengals and the Chargers are both 0 and 2. Are either one of them top 10 teams in the NFL right now? No, they're just they're not because you you are what your record says you are. And so I understand that from a talent perspective, neither one of those teams are the 21st or 22nd best teams in the NFL from a talent perspective. But from a winning perspective, absolutely,
0: they are. I, I sort of look at it, I think, the way Vegas does. Like I look at, you know, where let me let me look at those power rankings because I didn't even look for the Vikings. Where do they have the Vikings? So they have the Vikings at 26. The Vikings are better. Let me just look at the teams ahead of them in the rankings right now. They're better than the Raiders. Uh, They're better than the, in my opinion, the Giants. You know, I I think that they're better than the Titans and probably the Seahawks and the Falcons. And I I don't know. And and again, you are what your record says you are because they keep shooting themselves in the foot. But when I'm looking at like teams I'm scared to play, or teams that I'm concerned about playing, I'd much rather play Atlanta than Minnesota. You know, like, I, I do think we can look at things that way objectively in the NFL, more probably more than any other sport, right? Like, look at Major League Baseball right now. Usually, the teams with the best record are the teams you would least like to play. Like, I, it sounds odd to say out loud, but I, I don't want to play Baltimore right now. I don't want to play the Orioles. But in football... Like, whatever it sits here, there's so many circumstances in football that change things. What happens in week eight, like, it's—how how many different seasons do you think there are in the NFL in a regular season? Four, probably? Probably like four. Like, four, four game seasons? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. like, you might play a game, a, a team in week 10 that has four wins but got healthy or has hit a groove that you're just like, well, that timing kind of sucks. No other sport is like that. I don't think it's it's crazy thing about football. It's why it's fun to watch. It's why it's fun, although, you know, seemingly impossible to bet. And uh, you know, you look here at the Chiefs at one and one, and I, I think they're fine. Like I, you know, I, I wouldn't say I feel the best about the Chiefs across the league right now, but I still think they're going to be there in the end. And you know, they got a big win on the road, and yeah, it was ugly at times, but who cares? They got a win in Jacksonville. I mean, it, it seems so likely that that win in Jacksonville is going to come into play late in the year. With Jacksonville, by the way, that you're going to look back and nobody's going to remember that you know they had so many penalties and they played ugly in that game. They're just going to remember that they won that game. And that's it's week to week in the NFL. And so when we talk about Chicago, and we'll have more on them later in the week, I don't think Chicago, listen, Chicago doesn't scare me. It's rightfully the biggest spread we've seen all season. But I could see Justin Fields running around a little bit and frustrating the Chiefs' defense. I don't know how Chicago. If the Chiefs' offense doesn't look good this week, Tommy, then this will be the first time I'm concerned. I've told you through two weeks I'm not concerned. If they don't look good against Chicago, I'll have, I'll I'll be concerned because Chicago's not good defensively.
3: I mean, the Chiefs have averaged eighteen and a half points through their first two games, so they're averaging under twenty points a game. They scored twenty against the Lions they scored uh, 17 against the Jaguars. Against a Bears team that is clearly reeling, clearly struggling, clearly underperforming, you've got to go significantly higher than your average point scored through the first 2 weeks of the season. Like I you know, if the Chiefs are not if they if they don't score 28 or more,
0: four to four offensive
3: four touchdown. touchdown four offensive touchdowns or more in the game on Sunday then at that point I think you can sound the alarm bells a little bit louder than what you have so far. Uh, and and I, I've, I've sounded them a little bit, uh, you know, up to this point. I do believe that, you know, there's a, a fine line between overreacting and then also saying, OK, there might be some cause for, for concern long term with the sure. way this offense is playing out through two weeks. You got to get right in this game against an opponent that you are clearly better than. And your offense should come alive in a game like this. If it doesn't, I'm with you. At that point, you're like, okay, there are some legitimate and maybe long lasting issues here.
0: So the one- call from mom, answer it. Call silenced.
3: Instacart
2: knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
0: Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free
2: trial today.
3: Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.
0: One asterisk I would put on the four touchdown thing. If the Chiefs turn them over and get up real big real early, and some of that's because the Bears have made mistakes, then they may pull it back just a little bit and, you know, and try to – that'd be the only asterisk there. But I, I, you said it, and I've been thinking it. Like, I need to see four offensive touchdowns from the Chiefs yeah. next week. Um, all right, let's take a quick break. Congratulations to Will uh, for seeing uh, – for going to see Paw Patrol on us, Boulevard 2 Theaters at Town West. We'll come back. Tommy's got the numbers on Prime in that game against Colorado State, a game that a calendar year ago – well, not very many people would have been tuning into and now it's been the most watched college football game of the season. We'll dig into those numbers and the prime effect and is there any way Tommy that the Big 12 can collaborate and get, you know, get make sure primes paid while these big jobs will come open? Like can you make a conference effort? Can a coach be paid by an entire conference? We'll talk about it next on Sports Daily. Welcome back in, everybody. Hope everybody's making it through the early part of the week. This is a crazy kid week for us, Tommy. The carpooling, the, like it's just nuts. Hope hope, uh, hope, the school year is going well for everybody, and you're keeping your sanity as we get adjusted back from the summer. Um, all right, Tommy, the numbers are in on Coach Prime, and it's honestly not even surprising anymore.
3: million viewers for Colorado, Colorado State. And that's despite the fact that the game started at 10 p.m. Eastern time. 9.3 million. That's more people than watched the the Alabama-Texas game in primetime a week ago. Uh, It's also more than double the viewers that watched the most watched Big Ten game uh, so far this season. Another stat that is just incredible is that the Colorado-Colorado State game, was the fifth highest watched show or watched college football game ever on ESPN. Fifth. It ranks fifth ever on ESPN. So the games above it, Auburn and Alabama in 2014, USC Ohio State in 2009, Ohio State Virginia Tech in 2015, Boise State Virginia Tech in 2010, and then Colorado Colorado State comes in at fifth on that list of most watched college football games
0: ever on ESPN it's look we could see this coming with prime it's why colorado became a very attractive candidate to the big 12 they got that right and you know colorado won't stay there without him let's let's make no mistake about this oh yeah this is prime so you know you got to do everything you can to hope that he stays there if you're a big 12 fan and and it's not just him their success also has warranted this and the fact that there are very high level players at the top end there that we want to get a look at but i mean both the big you know college football shows and programs have all been there now 60 minutes has done a story like it's everywhere and prime's handling this stuff beautifully by the way he knows that this attention is good for his school it it also makes me you know think it's it's you know going to be more likely that you know coaches can fast track and and Prime's not even a fast track coach like he's coached for a while. And yeah. so but but guys are going to get opportunities I think maybe a little quicker former players especially which is which is a good thing. It also makes me wonder too Tommy as you sit here and you brought this up earlier and there's a strike right now and you know it gets harder and harder to draw people in and everything can stream now the the power and the value and the money in live sports, is tremendous. And it blows me away that the Pac-12 could never get their deal done. The pendulum is going to swing back to networks, you know, unloading boatloads of money at live sports. I, I think, you know, it may be a year, two years, three years, but, but, but about the time that Big 12 deal is going to be coming up, networks are going to be ready to spend a ton of money again. Yeah, And I, I just... Do not think that the future could be brighter for the Big 12 than what it currently is. And it makes, if if Prime stays there, if he stays in Colorado and we get this indication that that's where he wants to be, I, I think there's a chance that happens if he stays a college football coach. The one thing I we still don't know is does he ever want to coach at the NFL level, and I'm not sure. But for now, like, if he was to stay there as a college coach, and I think those chances are fine. Like, I don't I don't think he's necessarily jumping at, you know, any big job that comes open. If that happens and they're still negotiating, I think the Big 12 might be able to get close to the other big networks and what they can draw because there's clearly an entertainment value, which we know Brett Yormark has, you know, emphasized. Right right that's what he's pushing for is this entertainment value in college sports that is it's almost been like shied away from if he can pull that off man yeah there's a chance i've been thinking about it a lot i feel bad a
3: little bit for the pac-12 that they weren't able to get a deal done and then how successful they've been to start the college football season compared to the big 12 timing is absolutely everything it's crazy
0: We'll see if the shine stays, if they struggle against Oregon and USC. I think it probably will, but it'll be a little less so. I mean, this is, this is the biggest we'll see it probably. Uh, we'll talk more about that tomorrow. All right, Albrock Caster will come back. We'll tell you what's on tap today next on Sports Daily.
2: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears?